From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Australia has managed to effectively suppress COVID-19. After months of lockdown, Victoria's second wave is under control and case numbers around the country have flatlined. But with more international arrivals, experts predict that outbreaks will continue. So how do we manage living with COVID-19? Today, health journalist and contributor to the Saturday paper, Amy Coops, on the measures that will keep Australia safe from here on. Victoria has returned back to zero coronavirus cases for the first time in a There were no new infections in Victoria for a second day in a row. There's some breaking news now. For the sixth day in a row, Victoria has recorded no new cases. Australia has recorded its first day with no community transmission of COVID-19 in almost five months yesterday. It comes after Melbourne enjoyed its first... Amy... Last week, Australia recorded zero cases of community transmission for the first time in months. So how significant is that milestone? Well, look, I think obviously the significance of those of us, particularly down in Victoria who've been living under the lockdown, it cannot be overstated. But um, in international terms, this is actually, it's hugely significant. It's not really been seen in many other places. And in fact, on comparative terms, this has actually not been seen um, quite in the same way outside of the epicentre of COVID Wuhan, just purely going from a a surge of 20,000 cases to effectively zero is something we really haven't seen. So many other countries have done well, as we've all heard, places like Taiwan's done exceptionally well, Singapore, Thailand, Vietnam. But those countries, um, by contrast to Australia, did very well in quashing their first wave and never really took off and they've sort of seen smaller outbreaks along the course, but we've not really seen in global terms anything quite like what we've seen in Melbourne in terms of a significant good going second wave that has come down so significantly and quite swiftly as well. Okay, now that we are here, how precarious is our position, particularly when we're looking to increase international arrivals, people who want to come home? Yeah, I think this is the million-dollar question. It's certainly what's um, on all of our minds. I think... The reality is um, there's no such thing as a post-COVID world. We are going to have to live with the virus. We are only ever just a a quarantine leak, essentially, away from, um, you know, an outbreak happening again. Uh, And that's not just, you know, a security guard passing on the virus back out into the community. It's also the virus escaping through people who've done their full 14 days and then become infectious. You know, some people have ex- longer latency periods. The 14 days is um, covers most people, but it doesn't cover everyone. So, you know, knowing these facts, I suppose, you know, we need to accept that uh, the virus is going to be able to be imported back into Australia. That's, um, you know, without question. I guess the, the thing that we really need to be concerned about is how ready we are for that. Mm. Okay. So you're saying that at the moment we are looking pretty good, but if we don't make sure that our systems are functioning well, there is the potential that we could face another wave of the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's right. 
the pandemic globally is accelerating. There's no question. The pandemic is is hitting its stride. It's not slowing down. Germany has posted a massive spike in COVID-19 cases with more than 6,500... Italy is bracing itself for another possible lockdown. Spain is now the first Western European country to exceed one million reported COVID-19... France is under pressure. The country passed the grim milestone of one million coronavirus cases and hit a new record in daily infections. The pain of seeing the untrammeled outbreak as a healthcare person, seeing hospitals being overrun in the UK now. This morning, England is to face a new lockdown starting... Stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. And in the US, capacity running out. The US steamrolling through all-time highs. On Saturday, notching 79,059 cases. The situation is so serious, air-conditioned tents are being set up to try to cope with the influx of patients as hospitals in hotspot areas become overwhelmed. It gives you chills, and this is what is at stake. What do we need to do then to make sure that outbreaks like the ones that we're seeing in the US and in Europe don't happen here? We needed to get the contact tracing, the public health sort of system up to scratch and to be able to kind of meet the demand. And then um, we can only do that by bringing down the numbers to a manageable level. And once we did that, then we could kind of, you know, track down every single cluster that happened at the sort of very worst kind of time of the outbreak where there were lots and lots of numbers the contact tracing teams were um, following like 76 people each. And uh, when you're thinking about the kind of chains of people that stretch out beyond those 76 people, like we're talking about huge numbers of people and a really big burden on the system. Now we have got 2,000 contact tracers kind of on the books in Victoria ready to go. And the opinion is that it's been tested to a degree by the the Shepparton, Kilmore and Northern Metro clusters and it's it's seen to be um, holding up well and much better than it was. What we don't know, I guess, um, is that we don't know how it's going to perform when people are no longer in lockdown. So what lockdown does is obviously artificially curtail the number of contacts people have. So when you go back to kind of normal or a semblance of normal where you're leaving the house and you're you know, you have many more casual contacts than you would do when you're in your house for many hours of the day. So um, it's going to certainly um, require more of the contact tracing teams. But the hope and the belief is that the infrastructure is now there in place to just be able to roll into action so much more quickly and so much more efficiently. And um, I guess time will tell. So, Amy, given all of this and when we look at the picture beyond Victoria, when we look at it Australia-wide, do do we know if contact tracing is now up to the task? Look, I think it's fairly widely considered that the systems are now in place um, and they have been tested to a degree in in many places, not just in Victoria, but, you know, we're seeing ongoing sort of like small flares um, in New South Wales. And uh, certainly I think New South Wales, it's had a very long tail of infections, but it's managed to keep on top of them. And and it's very much thought that um, its contact tracing system was kind of already there, you know, to the level that Victoria needed to get to. And so I guess the the question is, is the system ready now for if and when we get these little sparks come out of returned travellers, essentially, which is where they're going to come from? We'll be back in a moment. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. 
Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Amy, as we enter into summer, hopefully with robust contact tracing systems, which other measures will also be important? Is there any evidence about how effective things like masks and and curfews and social distancing will be? There's been research into some of these measures. So mask wearing um, in the Melbourne outbreak reduced case numbers or estimated to have reduced case numbers by around 20%. So that's certainly going to be um, ongoing and important thing for us to be doing in the community, particularly when if and when community transmission takes off again. Um, the other things that have been studied, so physical distancing, does have a role. I'm not sure of the quantum, but it does certainly have a role in reducing case numbers. Um, But the adherence to that is really important. So you have to have 80% or greater adherence um, to have an effect. And if you get it down to just 70, which is not much, um, it will, the virus can just continue to transmit. Um, And the third thing is some states are having widespread use of QR codes. Uh, New South Wales, ACT is is kind of uniformly doing it. New South Wales, it's fairly widespread. It's apparently not so widespread in Victoria. So South Korea pioneered these during um, early in their outbreak and they've done very well um, in terms of COVID and they found that QR codes actually shave off about four to six hours off contact tracing time, which is actually huge when you're talking about having to turn around all of someone's contacts in 72 hours. It's actually like a really big kind of fill up. So we want to bring that in, if at all possible, as widespread as we can, because it's going to make a real difference. Mm. And Amy, this knowledge about which public health measures work the best and how effective things like wearing masks and social distancing is, is helpful while we gather more information about COVID-19 and the best way to combat it. And also, while we wait to see what happens with the vaccine, because obviously that's something that will completely change the landscape. So do we know more about when that's likely to happen? Yeah, look, I guess the consensus of people that I spoke to is that, you know, the earliest that is likely to see this would be mid next year. We are about to hopefully at the end of this year hear the kind of findings of the big phase three trials of the kind of leading candidate vaccines. Um, You know, if that's kind of looking good, then this is going to be a mammoth logistic exercise. This is one of the issues. It's, It's not only finding a vaccine that works, but it's then being able to scale up at a, at a global um, scale at speed, you know, in, in a way that we've never had to do before. We're talking about production. We're talking about transport. We're talking about storage. Um, the other thing about the vaccine I think it's important to address is that vaccines work in different ways and the current generation of vaccines does not block infection. So it reduces disease. It stops you from getting sick, which is great, and it's going to reduce the burden on our health system but it's not going to stop COVID from spreading because we need a vaccine that can block infection from doing that. And that's not in the current kind of crop of ones that are being tested. Mm. So you're saying that regardless, these measures, things like social distancing, 
will be around for a while. They're part of our new COVID normal. I think life is going to go back to um, a semblance of normal and that is not that far off. We are going to be able to go back to many of the things that we used to do, um, but just with caveats, you know, we're going to be wearing masks still. We're going to be still observing hand hygiene. We're going to be checking into places, you know, everywhere you go. The one thing that's not going to go back to any kind of normal is international travel. You know, we're going to remain isolated from the world to a degree for quite a long time. Uh, Certainly, We've obviously started a travel bubble with New Zealand. That's currently one way, but, you know, that will be the first thing, I guess, to be relaxed. And there's other countries that are going to be good prospects for us now that we have got community transmission um, under control in Australia. How can we start normalising relations with other countries? There's going to be, you know, essentially like a risk stratified system whereby high risk countries, um, you're still going to have to do full hotel quarantine when you come back. But then there may be intermediate risk countries where you may be able to travel to somewhere like Singapore and then just quarantine at home, um, which I think would be really welcome for lots of people, obviously. And then there, there, there may be low risk countries such as New Zealand or somewhere like Taiwan, um, where you don't have to quarantine. You may be able to travel freely between the two countries. Obviously, that's contingent on ongoing kind of transmission staying low in those countries or, you know, undetectable in those countries and then the same for here. But yes, the good old days of contemplating an international holiday, I think, are some time off yet in terms of a COVID normal life. Amy, thank you so much for talking to me about this. No worries. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today, Joe Biden has officially claimed victory in the US presidential race. The president-elect and his running mate, Kamala Harris, both delivered victory speeches yesterday where they promised to reunite and heal the nation. Donald Trump was playing a round of golf when the latest votes confirming Biden's victory were announced. And Melbourne has been reunited with regional Victoria today as the ring of steel separating the city from the country has been removed. The latest easing of restrictions means that all of Victoria now has the same rules in place and there's no longer a restriction on movement. Restaurants and cafes are now able to have up to 40 people indoors. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.